The problem with childhood PTSD is that when we fall in love, the traumatized part of our brain kicks in and starts to use old childhood survival mechanisms right when what we really need is common sense. We need a red flag detector. And how many times have you been burned or hurt in relationships? And when you look back, when you were honest with yourself and you realize that the red flags have been just like smushing you in the face and sirens were screaming in your ears, but you were seeing and hearing and feeling something else. That is the traumatized part of you taking control of your perception. That's what that is. You can give that part of yourself a big hug because going into denial about something really bad that's in front of you is exactly what saved you, what saved your spirits as a, as a tender little kid when you were going through abuse and neglect. You could just deny it. That's a survival mechanism. It saved you, right? You're like, I'm fine. I'm good. I can fix this. But now that you're dating and maybe choosing somebody to spend the rest of your life with, that mechanism has got to go <laughs> or it's going to trap you in the same kind of grief and emptiness that you've already had enough of, right? You had it in childhood, you had it in past relationships, and you swore you'd never do it again. And right now, let me help you not do that again, all right? So I got a letter from somebody who calls herself Penelope. It's not her real name. And she wrote to me, she said, hello, Ms. Ferry. I have a question about trying to take things slow with a guy that likely also has CPTSD, but isn't interested in diagnoses much. But he acknowledges that he's had a lot, to, that he has a lot to learn and he has insecurities. Now I know it's not my job to fix him, but he's so clearly terrified of the pressure of status, as he put it. I'm not exactly sure what that means. Um, not admitting fear, but insecurity. How can I help him without being pushy, says Penelope. We first met about a year ago, but he ghosted me twice when we became close rather quickly. We're both Christian and desire to live for God and have only held hands as far as physical intimacy. I'm also clearly afraid he's going to ghost me again, but it's so frustrating when we clearly feel the same about each other, but he is just so hesitant and almost offensively standoffish as we develop deeper closeness. He was married 15 years after getting a girl pregnant when he was 18 or 19 years old. I've come out of an abusive nearly 10 year relationship a year ago. His childhood was very crappy. I don't know, help. <laughs> um, and she says, your videos have already helped me to stay in my lane and not rush and not rush it this go round because I would get in my feelings after we first started talking and try to explain why he should feel safe with me, but that just pushed him away quicker. Thanks so much, Penelope. Okay. Oh, Penelope. This is a very tough situation. I totally understand. A lot of us do understand, but I'm going to help you see this a little more clearly. So let me just describe for you what you told me about what's going on here. All right. What he is doing, what you told me he's doing is he's insecure, he's terrified, he does not want the pressure of status, he ghosted you twice, I'm just listing everything that you say, he's Christian, he wants to live for God, he's only held hands with you, you're afraid, well that's part of your fear, but you think he might ghost you again. He is so hesitant and almost offensively standoffish as we develop deeper closeness. 
that you feel that you have to persuade him to feel safe with you suggests he doesn't feel safe with you. Okay, that's what you're telling me about him. About yourself, you're saying that you're trying to go slow, you're Christian, you wanna live for God, you wanna help him, you don't wanna look pushy, but you wanna help him to feel secure and get into the relationship with you. But you're also afraid and you're frustrated because he's not treating you very well. And you came out of an abusive relationship just a year ago. And I just noticed in your letter that a year ago is when you got together with this guy and that you've been trying to persuade him to feel safe with you. Okay, so here's what, a, this is a tough love one. It's a tough love ask the fairy here. You jumped right in, all right? I don't know, maybe you're gonna tell me, well, it wasn't immediately, it was a few months, but you said you got out of it a year ago, a 10 year marriage that was abusive a year ago. This relationship started a year ago. This guy starts ghosting you. What happens to you? You fall in love, all right? When I say that out loud, Penelope, can you hear it? Can you hear that the abused part of you is actually operating right now and controlling your perception about this? What you're describing is that you get strong feelings for somebody, you grow closer and he keeps ghosting you and he's offensively standoffish and hesitant. You're talking about trauma bonding. That's what you're describing. When someone, when you've fallen in love with somebody and they ghost you and then they come back and you think that you're growing closer, that's trauma bonding. Trauma bonding, and I, I'm, I'm just gonna, just gonna make a guess here, you were severely neglected as a kid. You may have been abused as well, but you were neglected and you developed this idea that if you could just be helpful enough, if you could just change yourself enough, that you would get the love and attention that you need. Of course you needed it and you deserve it now as well. But Penelope, you're not getting it. When a guy makes you feel scared all the time and frustrated and he's hesitant, I think, yeah, he sounds, at best, like an avoidant personality, all right? And you guys might just have this very common relationship pattern with an avoidant person and an insecure attached person where you're, you know, you're always like kind of running around trying to spackle things up and make it work and he's pulling back. And there is a way those relationships can work, but they cannot work when you're running around after him, believing that what's missing is your help. Now, when you said, how can I help him without being pushy? I'm gonna reinterpret that and say, how can I push him and make it look like I'm just being helpful? But pushing is pushing your will on somebody. And not only is it wrong, it's wrong spiritually it's to pressure somebody to be in a relationship, but it also, it just doesn't work. And it especially doesn't work in man-woman dynamics. If there is something in this relationship, here's how you can give it a chance you can back off, all right? You can make some space in this relationship. And have you taken my dating course? It sounds like you haven't. In the dating course for people with childhood PTSD, I give instructions on this of what you do if you're the type of person who clings, and you are. There's people, there's people who control, there's people who cling, and there's people who escape. And we all do a little bit of them. And if I were to just sort of like quickly say which ratio are you, it's mostly clinging. You're trying to hold on to a guy who's not who's not very easy to hold on to, he's not giving you what you want, but you're also controlling by trying to you know, uh, help, trying to use a, a disguise of the helper to try to push him into being with you and make him see you know, it's, your, it's his PTSD or anything, that's control. And then escape, escape is, th this is the part that I think is the most worrying here for your part here is that you say, it's so frustrating when we clearly feel the same about each other but he's just so hesitant and almost offensively standoffish. 
as we develop deeper closeness. Now that is cognitive dissonance right there. You don't feel the same way about it. You want to be close. You're trying to have a close relationship. You want this to turn into the relationship you always wanted. He, on the other hand, is offensively standoffish and hesitant and terrified, as you said. So you don't feel the same way. You guys are not on the same page. That's an escape. Your mind, and you're just like all of us with CPTSD. I don't mean to say this judgy at all, but the beauty of reaching out to other people with CPTSD is just to get a reality check. And I'm just, you know, like I'm just a fellow person who's been through this kind of thing before too. And I'll just say, Penelope, I see what you're doing here. You're escaping into the fantasy that you're both on the same page and that that justifies you pushing, helping, teaching. When members of a couple write to me and it's all about like, how do they get somebody else to change? I always say, it's time to ask me, how do you change? <laughs> that I can help you with. I can help you change. And I think you need to heal from your CPTSD. Until you do, you're going to not have any defenses against this trauma bonding thing. And you know what? He might be a guy who's actually like open to marriage with you. He might be great. Because you're chasing after him, because you're in denial about having come out of a 10-year, was it a marriage, a 10-year relationship with an abuser and jumping right in and thinking that having been in that situation, that actually now you're the person who can save somebody else, that's irrational. I think that's scary to people. If he is a healthy person, if he's got a healthy heart in there, he's recognizing like something's not right with this. So he deserves to be with somebody who's done their healing. And if you were 10 years in an abusive relationship, my friend, you've got some healing to do. It's gonna be very difficult to put together a good relationship. So very good on you that you went slowly with this relationship. That was brilliant. If you had been seeing this guy for a year and you had been in the kind of standard cultural arrangement, which would have involved a sexual relationship, it would be a lot harder to back out of it um, emotionally. And I just speaking on behalf of people like me, there's a feeling of a loss of dignity when we have to leave a relationship where there was sex. And I'm just saying, you know, it's not to judge anybody or how they do their relationships, but that's just been my experience. So the fact that you've stuck it, kept it at handholding was really smart and careful. And that way, what's really happening is a friendship is forming. A friendship where who knows what's going on with him? He didn't write to me, but you've got you've got a deep yearning for, for a reliable, loving relationship where somebody really shows up for you. That was my first advice is just back off. And let me tell you exactly how to do that. I teach this in the dating course. So what it means is if you've been the person who's clinging, you stop initiating things, you give it a rest. You'll be able to do it again in the future if everything goes well. But for right now, like I'm gonna guess, right? You're like, if he hasn't called you on Friday about the weekend, you're like, oh, you know, are we gonna get together? Are we gonna do this? <laughs> And if he doesn't call you, you call him. So don't, just, just like let it go quiet and see if he calls you. And when you give the relationship this oxygen so that he can decide, would I like to see Penelope? When would I like to see Penelope? Rather than always getting the phone call, always getting the suggestion, always feeling like he has to go along with what you want or else disappoint you, which evidently he doesn't want to do. He's still around. Just give him some space to lead that. If you guys are Christians, you sort of understand that model. Like, just let him lead it. Let him make the phone calls. Let him reach out to you. And you might have to pretend that you have some other stuff going on. And what you it won't be a lie because what you have going on right now is you're trying to heal your trauma pattern. You're trying to heal your tendency to crap fit. Do you know that word crap fit? I say that. 
fitting ourselves to crap. So when you go in and try to help somebody who's just treating you badly and ghosting you, you are crap fitting. That's something you learned to do as a kid that got you through, but don't fit yourself to crap. Be somebody who doesn't fit at all with bad treatment. Somebody ghosting you and not calling you doesn't get to hang out with you. How about that? And you will be amazed. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with him, but if he has feelings for you, you're going to find that when you make space for him to just take his time, follow his own impulses about when it's time to get together, it's going to start to come into focus for him. It's going to become more authentic for him. If he's not that into you, that's always a possibility, right? That's what you're afraid of. And it's possible he's going to fade away. When he's not under pressure from you, he's going to fade away. But I'm going to ask you, Penelope, to allow that to happen. Allow him to fade away and allow him the dignity of his choice to decide whether he wants to come towards you and see what he has to offer. A lot of this language of like, I'm afraid, he accidentally got a girl pregnant when he was 18 or 19 and was married and you know he's finally free of that marriage, I guess. I totally understand that he, he wants to try to get his equilibrium in the world before he goes jumping in. So give him space to do that. And it's really not manipulative or dishonest. This is a chance for you too. This is my, this is my prescription for you. Let information come to you. Let him show you and demonstrate to you what he feels. What is he interested in doing? You know, is he marriage-minded? Does he want to date? How often does he want to see you? Just make a space where he can demonstrate that for you. And if you need to, think of a visual of you just sitting in a throne, you know, very awake and, and witnessing and paying attention about who approaches. And Meanwhile, other people are going to be coming and going in your life and probably you work and I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a lot of details about your life. Sitting on a throne as a very special person and people are demonstrating to you who they are because in the past they were no damn good. Okay. Somebody's got to come in with discernment and it's going to have to be you. So you're going to bring into your consciousness that discernment to be aware of who is approaching and what have they got for you? What are their intentions? What are their feelings for you? All right, it's a huge shift from where you are trying to help and pursue and feeling frustrated and fantasizing that, you know, how, how could he be so difficult when you're really exactly the same? You're not, that's all, and that's fine. You could have a good marriage for 50 years and you're never exactly on the same page. It's okay, it's okay. Now, second, I wanna tell you what it looks like when a guy is serious about you, when he does want a relationship with you. And this is what you wanna wait for. You wanna to try to measure opening your heart. I could tell from your letter, you, you want the right one. You're looking for the one where you can settle down and have a happy relationship. All right, so here are some characteristics that a man will show you. And this is true for women too, I think. They make it quite clear that they like you. They call you and text you regularly. They don't leave you in doubt about whether they like you because they don't want you to leave. They want you to be happy. They take actions that they believe will give you um, comfort, delight, peace, things like not leaving you hanging about where they are or when they're gonna call. They don't want you to feel that way. They uh, show up for you. They have dinner with you. They, I always say one, one indicator of whether somebody is your boyfriend are, is when it's your birthday, do they go ahead and make something nice happen for you on your birthday? And are they with you on that day? Or are you running around trying to put something together, right? So that's an indicator. And they will also tell you things like, I love you. They will tell you, I wanna be with you. They will tell you, 
okay, okay, I'll meet your family. <laughs> I don't think you have to wait for somebody who's like, I really want to meet your family, especially from the family some of us come from. But they're open to that. They want to be in your life. They want to be included and they let you know. Those are the signs you're looking for. Another sign to look for is when you're with this person, do you find yourself stepping up? Are you playing a better role in your life? Are you becoming someone, a slightly better version of yourself than you used to be because of them? Or are you getting dragged down? Now, this is a, this is a real sign. This is a legitimate sign. Is this person causing you to rise up? They don't necessarily active, actively rise up, but I'll tell you with my husband, and he was kind of slow to come around. But one thing I noticed is that when we were dating, the, a lot of elements of my life, the way I was parenting, the way I was doing my work, the, even the way I dressed, um, I started to take an interest in changing the way I communicated. Like I just found myself taking some steps up. I was becoming a better person as if some force was just coming and helping me along with it. It wasn't just to impress him. Of course I wanted him to be impressed, but, but that's a sign that somebody is a good, a good spouse for you is that they, they, they cause you to rise up to a higher level. Another one is, are you, to, when you are together, do you find yourself able to play a role that benefits other people? So you know how longtime married people, they often um, have the guest bedrooms when people come to town or when somebody ends up in jail, they're the ones who bail them out or <laughs> they have money to lend or they have Christmas at their house. There's a function that a married couple plays. Not every couple does it, but if you find that the two of you play that role in service to other people, that's a sign. So I'm just trying to give you a couple of clues to look for that things are on the right track. And whether or not you have that in this relationship right now, I want you to hold hope out because I bet you when you hear me say that instinctively, you know, like I'm talking about something that you want, that your heart recognizes that you want. The most important sign is that they can be with you. They will be with you. You cannot end up married to somebody who doesn't want to be with you or who's just a, playing a big ambivalence game. Now, ambivalence can in time lead to commitment. And so something that you can do about that is put a time limit on it. You know, I don't know what, six months from now, a year from now, whatever you want to do. Don't tell that time limit to him. That's your private thing. And until that time, you're not going to trip about it. You're just going to hang back and make space for him to demonstrate what he's got. Is he into you? Give him space, see what evolves. Maybe before that time, it'll be over. One or the other of you will decide it's over. I think six months to a year is reasonable after you've been together for a year. Then let that unfold. Just see what happens. Take the pressure off yourself. Stop taking the temperature on the relationship. It's like, oh, does he, does he, does, does he not? Is it, are we okay? You know, just like let go. Just accept that things take time. Marriage is a really, really like long road. <laughs> And sometimes it starts as a dotted line. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.